Hi, this is Sue Burke. Welcome to my podcast. Easy and forensics seem like a dichotomy, but it is possible to find easy forensic science experiments to do with your kids. Experiments are cool and fun for kids, grandkids, nieces, nephews as a classroom activity or for a birthday party with minimal materials. I'm going to show you how to do two forensic science experiments, and Louis is going to help. Well, maybe not on the podcast. First of all, let's start with what is forensics? Forensics is the use of science and technology to investigate and establish facts in criminal or civil courts of law. Forensics evidence are the physical items collected or information gathered by scientific methods at crime scenes. Forensic evidence often helps establish the guilt or innocence of possible suspects. As far as forensic evidence is concerned, fingerprints have long been considered one of the most valuable types of physical evidence that can be found at a crime scene. Fingerprint identification is employed by police squads and agencies as a powerful weapon for combating crime. This technique helps crime fighters all over the world by providing them with a reliable and accurate means of identifying suspects. Dactylography is the scientific study of fingerprints as a means of identification. That's why our easy forensic science experiments will involve fingerprint collection. First, a word about fingerprints. Why do we even have fingerprints? What is the point of fingerprints and when did humans discover them? In mammals, skin consists of two layers of tissues. One is the thick, deep layer called the dermis, and over the dermis is the epidermis. These two layers of the skin are closely joined. The dermis buckles where it meets the epidermis. Some of the tissues of the dermis project up into the epidermis, so they are firmly attached. The pattern is what causes fingerprints. And what is the point of fingerprints? The ridges of skin on our fingers and toes increase the surface area thereby increasing friction. Hands can move, can more firmly grasp things, and feet don't slip when walking, in theory anyway. The use of friction-ridge skin impressions, or fingerprints, as a means of ID has been around for thousands of years. Chinese officials use fingerprints on clay to seal documents and as a personal signature. Evidence of this has been found around 221 BC. Let's flash forward to 1788. German anatomist J.C.A. Mayer was the first to declare that friction-ridge skin was unique between individuals. In 1850, William Herschel, a British officer in India, is credited with the first systemic, systematic <laughs> use of fingerprints for identification. The system was later perfected by Sir E.R. Henry, and it's still called the Henry system today. In 1898, a criminal case in Bengali is considered the first in which fingerprint evidence was used to secure a conviction. There are eight fingerprint patterns currently recognized by the FBI, but there are three basic kinds of fingerprints, arch, loop, and whorl. Arch are the rarest fingerprint pattern. Only 5% of people have this type of fingerprint. Loop is the most common. 60 to 70% of fingerprints are loops. Whorl takes up the other 25 to 35% of fingerprint patterns. Having a fingerprint database is preferable to other forms of differentiation between people. 
Many civilizations have used tattooing, branding, and even maiming as a means of identifying people. Ancient Romans branded runaway slaves with the letters FVG, meaning fugitive. And Nathaniel Hawthorne's famous classic, The Scarlet Letter, is based on a 1636 code of laws known as the General Fundamentals. They were put into effect at the colony in Plymouth, Massachusetts. Convicted adulterers were to be punished by wearing the letters A and D sewn into their garments. I'm actually not sure what the D stands for. Hmm. If anybody knows, send me an email. That's on my website, my contact form, at www.susanburke.com. So, our first easy forensic science experiment is that we ought to have our own database of individuals. We can collect fingerprints at crime scenes, but it won't do us any good if we can't ID who belongs to which fingerprints. To catch a criminal, we need fingerprints on file. Like the FBI, we must create a database. I forgot to mention that the United States FBI organized its first fingerprint database in a central file with a collection of over 800,000 fingerprints, and this was in 1924. So we're going to do the same thing. No, we aren't going to have 800,000 fingerprints, but we are going to collect fingerprints of people in our family or friends. We won't need much. We need paper, one piece for each person's fingerprint that we collect, and you can put those together in a notebook, a marker, and people's fingers. What we're going to do is color the person's pointer finger with the marker heavily, then press their finger onto the paper, label the finger with their name, and then keep that on file. Now that you have your criminals, I mean your database of individuals, let's detect a few latent prints. Wait, what are latent prints? First, a quick word about three types of fingerprints, visible, impression, and latent. Visible fingerprints can be photographed directly. Impression fingerprints can usually be photographed under special lighting conditions. And latent fingerprints are invisible. They must first be made visible before an ID can be made intuitively obvious, right? This brings us to our second forensic science experiment. We're going to make the invisible visible. How? With superglue. In 1978, the Criminal Identification Division of the Japanese National Police Agency began employing a chemical technique now known as the superglue identification method or the cyanoacrylate fuming method. We're going to do this exact same thing. What we'll need is super glue, cotton balls, a small glass that will fit into a gallon-sized bag, a gallon-sized bag that seals, aluminum foil, and if you want, gloves. I decided a how-to video for this experiment would be a good idea. I also wanted to see if it would really work. It was very fun to do, made more fun because the experiment was a success. What was not as much fun was using the brand new to me editing software. I wanted to create a cohesive YouTube video. The link to the video is on my website. I admit the learning curve was steep, but I figure I can only go up from here. 
Anyway, the cyanoacrylate or superglue must be in a gaseous form to react with the traces of amino acids, fatty acids, and proteins left behind by our skin in the form of fingerprints. That's why we need the plastic bag. We're going to encase, in our case, a glass inside the plastic bag. We're going to put the cyanoacrylate or superglue, we're going to squeeze it onto a cotton ball and make a little cup out of Reynolds wrap. We'll put the Reynolds wrap inside the bag, the cotton ball soaked superglue inside the Reynolds wrap, put that inside the bag, and then take the item in question and put it in the bag with the superglue. We will seal it up and let the reaction happen naturally. I timed it and it only took about two hours, but if you want to leave it overnight, that's fine too. Of course, for the experiment, what you'll do is put someone's fingerprints on the glass. So you'll just grip the glass a few times yourself or have a friend do it and put it inside. And after the two hours is up, you will see that there are fingerprints that can be visualized. It's sometimes easier to see them when you put a dark surface behind them. And you can compare them to your fingerprint database and see who was gripping the glass. As I said, many police departments use plastic bags as chambers when doing this fuming technique at a crime scene. We capture the gaseous form of the cyanoacrylate inside the bag, otherwise it would diffuse into the atmosphere. Let me know if you give these two easy forensic science experiments a try at home. It's a lot of fun. You can check out my pretty mediocre YouTube video on YouTube at my YouTube channel or watch it on my website at www.susanburkcook.com. Thanks so much for stopping by and listening to my podcast. Have a great day. Hope to see you again soon.